Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. God is good. He's the God of all comfort. Amen. He's the God of all grace. Amen. So be blessed. God is with you. God is with us. He's a good God. He knows how to comfort those who are in need of comfort. He knows how to give grace to those who are in need of grace. We're blessed. We're blessed people because we have a good God. Thank you, Jay. Does anyone here like fruit? Yeah? <laughs> Some are more sure than others. <laughs> The reason I ask you that is because, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Scripture, fruit is a constant theme throughout the whole of Scripture. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, fruit is a constant theme throughout all of Scripture. And fruit is the theme of my message today. Today I want to speak about fruit, both good fruit and bad fruit. So we're going to take our theme of our message from Matthew 12. Jesus speaks about fruit. Matthew 12. The passage we're going to look at is 33 to 37. But before we get there, I want to give you the context of our passage this morning. Because it's important to understand the context to make sense of the passage. So the context comes from Matthew 12, 22 to 24. This is the context of our message. Then they brought him, that is to Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, Oh, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So we're, here we have this scene. This demon-possessed man is brought to Jesus. He's blind and he's mute. And Jesus heals him. The people are astonished. Could this be the son of David, the promised Messiah, the one who is to come into the world? But the Pharisees respond differently. They say, oh, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So that's the context of what we're going to look at today. The Pharisees are confronting Jesus. 
and he addresses what they have to say and their attitude. So let's go to verse 33 to 37. Jesus responds. This is part of his response. Obviously he says more, but this is part of the response. Jesus says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognised by its fruit. And addressing the Pharisees, he says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man, the good woman, brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man, the evil woman, brings evil out of the evil stored up in him, in them. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So let's go back to verse 33. We're going to take each verse in turn. This is Jesus' response. He says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or else make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognised by its fruit. Now notice, first of all, Jesus says, make the tree good. He doesn't say, make the fruit good. You can't make the fruit good unless the tree is good. You have to make the tree good to get the good fruit. Good fruit is produced by good trees. And bad fruit is produced by bad trees. If you want to change the fruit, you have to change the tree. You cannot produce good fruit from a bad tree. So there are good trees producing good fruit, and there are bad trees producing bad fruit. There's no crossover between the two. Good trees do not produce bad fruit, and bad trees do not produce good fruit. In the passage, the tree represents a life, a lifestyle, a way of life. The good tree is a good life. The bad tree is a bad life. And good fruit comes from a good tree. Bad fruit comes from a bad tree. The principle is self-evident. After all, it's a principle of the natural world, isn't it? You get good fruit from good trees, and bad fruit comes from bad trees. So as with the natural, so with the spiritual. A good life produces good fruit, and a bad life produces bad fruit. We might say it's axiomatic. <laughs> it's a self-evident principle. It's an accepted principle. 
And fruit refers to what the tree produces. And fruit refers to what the life produces. So there's good fruit and there's bad fruit. And Jesus says a tree is recognised by its fruit. In the same way, a life is recognised by its fruit. Whether that be good fruit or bad fruit. So what is your life producing? Are you producing good fruit? Or are you producing bad fruit? If I want to evaluate my life, and I should do, after all scripture says, let a man, let a woman examine himself, herself. So from time to time I do have to evaluate my life. All I have to do to evaluate my life is to evaluate the sort of fruit that I'm producing. Whether that be good fruit, or whether that be bad fruit. When we speak about fruit, what are we really speaking about? We're speaking about attitudes. We're speaking about actions. Let's have a look at Galatians 5. This speaks a little bit about good fruit and bad fruit. It's a familiar passage, isn't it? Ephesians 5, 16 through to 26. Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit. That's how you get a good life, producing good fruit, by living by the Spirit. Paul says, if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's the bad fruit. That's how bad fruit is produced, by gratifying the sinful nature. Paul says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. No overlap. It's either good fruit or bad fruit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. There's no agreement. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, producing good fruit, you're not under the law. Now this is some very bad fruit. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, those who produce this sort of fruit, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, amen, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, this is good fruit. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. 
And against such things there's no law. There's no law against producing good fruit. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, under the control of the Spirit, producing good fruit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That's good fruit and bad fruit. It's self-evident, isn't it? A good life produces good fruits and a bad life produces bad fruits. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work in every good fruit. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's workmanship Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to produce good fruit, which God prepared in advance for us to do, for us to produce. Colossians 1.10 And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, producing good fruit, and may please him in every way, bearing fruit, good fruit, in every good work. Titus 2, 13 to 14. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, eager to produce good fruit from a good life. Let's keep going. Verse 34 of Matthew 12. Jesus says, you brood of vipers. This is referring to the Pharisees. How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words are the product of our thoughts and our intents. The desires and motivations of our hearts. The heart is the internal me, the core of my being, the centre of who I am. That's what the heart refers to. And whenever I speak, I reveal the thoughts and intentions of my heart. If you want to know who I am, the sort of person I am, all you have to do is listen to what I say. My words reveal who I am. My thinking, my thoughts, my intentions, my motivations. That's who I am. If I'm evil, my words will be evil. If I'm good, my words will be good. So Jesus calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers. Harsh words. He calls them snakes. Deceitful. In fact, they take after their father. You know who their father is. Jesus said so. Their father, the devil. Because they always did the work of their father. So he calls them brood of vipers. 
And since they were evil, they could never say anything good. And they always opposed Jesus because their thoughts and their motivations and all of their intentions were always evil. How awful. That's an awful place to be in. That all your thoughts, your intentions, your motivations are evil. That's why they always opposed Jesus. They were the complete opposite to who he was. Evil is that which is opposed to God. Opposed to his word. Opposed to his ways. Opposed to his will. And the evil heart could never produce good fruit. It always produces bad fruit. Whereas those who have a good heart would always produce good fruit. So what sort of fruit are you producing? What sort of fruit am I producing? <clears throat> Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing sword and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It discerns between good fruit and bad fruit. And nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. The fruit can't be hidden. It's on display. And the word of God reveals the good fruit from the bad fruit. The word of God reveals the intentions of the heart that produces good fruit and bad fruit. And nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. You can't ha hide the bad fruit from God. He sees it. So better we produce good fruit. Because he also sees that. Let's go to Matthew 12.35. Now you understand, whenever I say men, we're all included. Men and women. No one's left out. God doesn't want to leave anyone out. So Matthew 12.35, Jesus says, The good man, the good woman, brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. The good man, the good woman, is the righteous man, the righteous woman. The man, the woman, declared righteous by God. Now Romans 3.10 says, as, is it, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. So then who are the righteous then? Well thankfully, Paul tells us in Romans 5.19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, that is through Christ, the many will be made righteous. So even though we're not righteous because of ourselves, we are made righteous in Christ. So we are righteous in that sense. But no one is righteous in and of themselves. Our righteousness comes from Christ. So the good man, the good woman, brings good things out of the good stored up in himself. 
My good fruits, my good deeds are a product, a result of the good stored up in my heart. And out of the overflow, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whereas the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in himself. So what sort of heart do you have? And what do you have stored up in your heart? Good hearts produce good fruits, good deeds. And evil hearts produce evil fruit, evil deeds. If you want to change the fruit, you have to change the heart. You can't get good fruit from a bad heart. You can't get good fruit from a bad life. If you want to change the fruit, you have to change the life. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can understand it? Only God can. That's why David prays in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit, within me and again Psalm 139 search me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting so David understands in and of himself he cannot produce a good life or a good heart. It's only by God's grace a good life is produced to produce good fruit. So may that always be our cry. Search me, O God. Try me. Create a clean heart within me so that I may produce that good fruit. Let's keep going. Matthew 12, 36. Jesus says, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. So Jesus gives us a warning. He was speaking to the Pharisees, but he's also speaking to us. He gives us a warning. There is a day of judgment coming when everyone will have to give an account to God for every careless word that they have spoken. What are careless words? Careless words are words that evidence, that demonstrate, that prove a lack of concern for God, for his word, for his ways, for his principles, and for his commands. They are careless words that pray no regard for God, his word, and his ways. In Matthew 12, 32, Jesus says, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. To speak against the Holy Spirit, that is very careless. 
And Jesus says, words spoken against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. But this is what Jesus says, John 12, 47 to 50. Jesus says, for I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me. Wow. Can you say the same thing? Whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. That's remarkable. And if you're in any doubt as to what to say, say only what you hear the Father say. <laughs> you can't go wrong. And if you want to know what the Father is saying, you'll find his words, what he said, in this book. In the written word of God. This is what the Father has said. This is what the Father is saying. And Jesus says in John 14, 24, These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So when you speak, whose words do you say? Are they your own words? Or are they the words of the Father? So remember, you're accountable for your words. So be careful how you speak and be careful what you say. Speak the truth. Say only what you hear the Father saying. Then you can't go wrong. <laughs> Let's keep going. Matthew 12:37. Jesus says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. You see how important your words are. By your words you will be acquitted, that is justified. And by your words you will be condemned. And the Pharisees who opposed Jesus were condemned by their words. They condemned themselves by their words. So be careful, lest you oppose God by your words and are also condemned. By your words. That's the primary way that we oppose God. Did you know that? By opposing God's word. Those who oppose God's word. Oppose God. And those who oppose God's word. Set themselves up. In opposition to God. And by doing that. They condemn themselves. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, For out of the overflow, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your speech betrays, that reveals unintentionally. We don't always intend to reveal who we are and what we are by our words. But they do reveal our hearts and our intentions. And they reveal what is stored up within our hearts whether that be good or whether that be bad. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. How powerful is that? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, using the tongue, shall eat the fruit 
thereof. Our words are powerful, regarded as fruit by the writer. Good fruit produces life, and bad fruit produces death. So be careful with your words. Be careful what you say, and be careful how you say it. Amen? Amen? But let's be more positive. Proverbs 25.11 A word fitly, actly, appropriately spoken is like apples of gold in pictures, in settings of silver. What a beautiful picture. May all of our words be like apples of gold in settings of silver. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> Can you imagine your words in a framework like apples of gold in a setting of silver? I'd like to have words like that. You can put it on the wall and display it. Would you like your words displayed on the wall? <laughs> we'll make them good words. If they're good words, they're worthy of being displayed. Those are the sort of words I would like to have for myself. So it's important to remember the context of Jesus' words. We read that from Matthew 12, 22 to 24. Jesus has healed and delivered a demon-possessed man. The people are astonished and say, could this be the son of David, the promised Messiah, the one who should come into the world? But the Pharisees respond, oh, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Now, referring to Beelzebub, the Jews of the New Testament used Beelzebub as a name for Satan, the prince of demons. So, in fact, what the Pharisees were doing, they were attributing the work of God to be the work of Satan, a serious misjudgment which led to their condemnation by Jesus. Remember, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit, the work of God, will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. For by your words you will be acquitted, you will be justified, and by your words you will be, you will be condemned. So, as good trees... We should always produce good fruit. Now, just because we produce good fruit, it doesn't mean that we will always be popular with everyone. You know that, don't you? Mm -hmm. The Christian life is not a popularity contest. If you want to be popular, don't become a Christian. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to put anybody off, of course. <laughs> because of his good fruit, his good works, healing and deliverance, Jesus was opposed by the Pharisees. They opposed his authority as the Son of God. And we will also find the same opposition to our good fruit, to our good works, which we perform under God's authority. Listen to what Jesus says as he sends out the twelve at the beginning of their mission. 
Matthew 10. Jesus says, a student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If the head of the house, Jesus speaking of himself, has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household. If they call Jesus Beelzebub and his work and his activity the work of Satan, how much more will they say it of us? So don't be surprised if you're not popular with people. People always oppose the work of God. And if you're doing the work of God, don't be surprised if people oppose you too. But Jesus comforts and reassures his disciples. He sent them out, promising opposition. But this is what he tells the disciples in John 16. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And Jesus says the very same thing to us. He's telling you these things so that in him you may have peace. Yes, in this world we will have trouble. But let's take heart. He's overcome the world. And as he has overcome, we will also overcome. Amen? So let's go back to the beginning. I always like to go back to the beginning at the end of my sermon. <laughs> I, when I used to preach at my brother-in-law's church, Gloria's brother... I used to always say, let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> and he always, he always say, why would you go back to the beginning? You should just keep going in a natural progression to the end. <laughs> but I like to go back to the beginning where I started from. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 33, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognised... By its fruit. So first of all, it's important to realise that both good trees and bad trees are made. Jesus says, make a tree good or make a tree bad. Good trees and bad trees are not accidents of chance. Good trees and bad trees are products of decisions and choices that you make. Good trees don't happen by accident. Bad trees don't happen by accident. They're a result of decisions and choices that we make. That's how we make the tree good or the tree bad. A good tree, a good life, is a life produced by good decisions and good choices. A bad life, sorry, a bad tree, a bad life, is a life produced by bad decisions and bad choices. But take heart. We haven't been left on our, on our own to make the good tree, the good life, on our own. Philippians 1.6 Paul says, Being confident of this, that it is he who began a good work, that is Christ, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It's God who's working in us 
to produce that good fruit. We don't produce the fruit, by the way. We just have to make the tree good. And as we make the tree good, good fruit will be produced. God will produce the fruit in us. So don't worry about producing good fruit. Just make the tree good. And God will produce the fruit. So may God help us to make good decisions and good choices. May we be good trees producing good fruit. And may we be always good trees recognised by our good fruit. Amen? Amen. God bless you all. Oops, see that is it.